Why is church attendance so important? That's a good question. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Church Questions, a place where listeners like you can ask questions about theology, history, leadership, church culture, or anything else having to do with a successful Christian life in today's world. I am your host, Pastor Don McKeg, and the question of the day is, why is church attendance so important? I feel like that's kind of a fancy way to ask why should I go to church? And you know, I've been in ministry for about 15 years at the recording of this podcast, and ever since I started in ministry, I have heard people say something to the effect of, I don't really see the need to go to church. I a watch a preacher on TV. Now I watch online. Uh, I go into the woods to commune with God. Uh, I don't need to go to church to be close to God. I do it my own way. That's kind of the mentality that a lot of people have, that they can have a great relationship with God. They don't need to go to church. They don't need to focus on organized religion, quote-unquote. And if they do actually want to engage in some kind of a church thing, they're happy just staying in their living room and uh, consuming something on TV or online. I will point out that at the recording of this podcast, we are still dealing with COVID-19, and for safety reasons, there are a lot of people still choosing to consume church online. Uh, That is completely different than... I don't feel the need to go to church, so I'll just watch something on TV or watch something online. We have to distinguish the difference between all of that uh, because our hope is that one day the virus will be beaten, uh, we can safely go outside, and we can resume attending church as we would like. Uh, So when all of that happens... Or if you're living in a place where it is safe or you do feel comfortable going out into church, we have to ask ourselves a question. Why is church attendance so important? Why should I go to church? I would also want to add to this question, why should I attend church regularly? The last statistic that I saw on this is that the average church attender in the United States goes to church on average about once every six weeks. That's crazy to me. Once every six weeks? And I get that that's an average, so somebody might go once a month, and I don't know the math, somebody might go once a year. I I understand that that's talking about averages and stuff like that, but once every six weeks... Yeah, and I guess that's so strange to me because as a as a preacher, I'm the primary communicator at my church on the weekends. I collect my thoughts and deliver them uh, in a series. So I'll preach on a singular idea or or within a concept for like four weeks, five at the most, maybe once every few years. I'll stretch something to six weeks, but that's kind of you know that's kind of stretching it. It's it's hard to listen to the exact same uh, topic about the exact same topic for six weeks. So the idea that people are showing up and just getting one one message out of a series or missing an entire series altogether 
That's so crazy to me. So anyway, let's, and, and, and here's the other part of why that's so crazy. I guess I'm just kind of lost in the idea that, that people would, would not want to go to church, but I will, I will say this. There's a, there's a reason why a lot of us pastors get into being pastors and it's that we were going to be at the church anyway. We like it there. God just figured out a way to help us pay our bills while we're there. Uh, that's kind of a joke. I'm, I'm joking. We're obviously called and equipped to do that, but most people in ministry like being in church, and so I understand that I'm coming from a, a bit of a biased place right now. I enjoy church. I've always enjoyed church, even when church wasn't paying me to be there. I really enjoyed going to church. I went all the time as a kid. Uh, when as a, as a teenager, I really enjoyed it all through college. So I, I know I'm coming from a biased place, but that doesn't mean there aren't good biblical scriptural reasons why we should be going to church, going regularly, and participating with a local body of believers. So let's jump in. Why is church attendance so important? First of all, I have to be that guy and point out that this question is actually built on a false assumption. We don't go to church. We are the church. We cannot choose when we are or are not a part of the church. We are always a part of the church. The language behind church, to refer to it as a building or a place that we go, that happened uh, around 500 years ago whenever uh, the Greek of the New Testament was being translated into German. And the, the Greek word, ekklesia, means those who are sent out. Uh, so it's talking about a group of people on mission. It was never intended to refer to a place, but whenever uh, the Greek was being translated into German, they chose the word uh, for a building. And, and now we have this idea that church is a building, it's a place that you go, uh, rather than a people that you belong to, or a mission that you are participating in. So I have to be that guy and actually point out that we can't choose to go to church or not. We are the church. We're always part of the church. So the idea of not going to church really isn't a biblical concept. We're talking about, then, the gathering of the members of the church. I I understand that that's the heart of the question. I just felt like I had to say something. Obviously, we all know that this question is actually asking, why is it important that the members of the church gather together regularly? Now that that's set aside, let's start asking what the heart of the question is meant to ask. So first, we gather together because the Bible tells us to. I know that's a very simple thing. Foundations really are helpful, but the Bible tells us to, and we operate as Christian people under the assumption that if God is telling us to do something in Scripture, it's because it's for our own good. Now, we may not always understand it. We may not even agree for a season of our life, but the fact that there is instruction in Scripture on gathering tells us it is important for God that we gather. There is a, a proclaimed instruction in Hebrews 10.25, where the author of that book uh, is teaching Christians, and he says, do not give up on meeting together as some have done. What we see in this scripture is, first of all, the temptation to stop meeting together is as old as the church is. 
It just is. It's a real temptation. We we get to a place where we just don't want to go again. Maybe we feel like we're in a rut. Maybe life is busy. Maybe we just don't feel like wrestling the kids that morning. Maybe we had a long weekend or a long work week, and man, we just want to rest. Maybe we haven't got to play a round of golf in a while, and the only time was Sunday morning. Look, there's a thousand reasons. My point is, is that even from the the inception of the church, there were people that were trying to find reasons not to meet, and the author of Hebrews says to not give up. Do not give up meeting together as some have done. Keep meeting together. We also see this modeled for us in Acts 2, starting in verse 42 through 47, uh, we see a description of the early church. Uh, This passage is very famous uh, for for looking at principles of healthy church and church growth. Um, It starts off with these four elements that the early church was doing, things that they were doing regularly. In verse 42, it says, uh, they, and that means the people of the church, the new Christians that were just saved, um, they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. Now, When we go back to some of the excuses, at least ones that I'm familiar with, on why people don't attend church, two of these you can do by yourself, being devoted to the teachings of the apostles. Now, there is an advantage of being a part of a local body, we'll call it that way, a local body, a local church body. You should be receiving Christian instruction every week. Your pastor or another pastor, or another person gifted in preaching and teaching should be talking about Scripture, should be helping us, helping you understand what Scripture says, God's intent, and how to apply Scripture in your life. Uh, This is something that I hope everybody gets to experience. I understand that there are some folks out there that uh, have pastors that are not great teachers, that are not exciting preachers, and my hope is that everybody would have a preacher that is both interesting, stimulating the mind, gives you fresh content, and is easy to listen to. That's my hope. Uh, And part of that, I'll go on a little diatribe while I'm on this. Um, My uh, master's degree is actually in preaching, I enjoy preaching. I I enjoy not just the the art and the expression of preaching, but the technique behind preaching. I am an advocate for preaching, and uh, there's a there's an idea that I I got from Charles Spurgeon, C. H. Spurgeon, um, that is smoke and fire. That there are some preachers out there that are all smoke and no fire. What he means by that is. Wow, they are very passionate and very exciting and very energetic. Didn't give me anything helpful. Uh, They got me revved up and I got the goosebumps, but they didn't give me anything helpful to go about my Christian life. Conversely, there are some pastors that are all fire and no smoke. What they gave you was good content. That is meat that you can chew on and take into your life, provided that you can stay awake long enough to process everything that they said. In fact, Charles Spurgeon has this great quote. I I wish I'd have looked it up. This is all off the cuff. But he has this great quote that basically what he's saying is, there are some preachers 
who are so boring, their punishment for being so boring should be that they are subjected to their own sermons. Man, Charles Spurgeon is such... Gosh, he will roast you down to the bone. If you would like me to talk a little bit about the life of Charles Spurgeon and why he's actually one of my heroes of the faith, send a question in to questions at donmckeg.com. We'll try to include it in one of the upcoming podcasts. But the point is this. You should be able to receive something on a weekly basis from the local body. However, there's great preachers, world-class preachers, the best of the best, on TV and online, and you can get good teaching literally at any time, especially in today's world. Literally whenever you want world-class teaching, you can get it whenever you want. The other thing that you don't need a local body for is prayer. What's interesting about the passage is it specifically says the prayers, and we're not really sure what those prayers are. It seems like they are organized specific prayers, the prayers, but we're not sure what they are. That said, you can pray on your own. We have the ability to go to God and pray on our own. Yes, the Bible does talk about blessings that come with when two or three are gathered in this in one accord in the name of Jesus, that there is extra power in praying in agreement with one another. All of those things are, are biblical ideas. However, we have every right and every ability and, and every bit of authority to approach the throne of grace and find grace. That's in Hebrews as well. Well, what about the other two things? Fellowship. What is fellowship? I had a pastor once say, uh, once say, fellowship is kind of like when two fellows are in one ship. They're in it together. Fellowship is a Christian word. It's a biblical word that we're simply talking about people building relationships with one another, developing a sense of community with one another. You cannot fellowship alone. That's a literal impossibility. You cannot fellowship alone. We are supposed to be in relationship with other people. We're supposed to be in community with other people. Not only that, but there is an idea of the breaking of bread. Some would either point this to the Lord's Supper, being specific about uh, doing the Lord's Supper together um, and, and taking that, uh, that act of faith together. Well, that was modeled as a group doing that together. Um, pausing and 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 taking the the bread and taking the wine in remembrance of Christ, well, that's an that's an activity that's done together. Some look at that a little more loosely and just said they were eating together. Well, again, you can't eat together by yourself, and I think that it's very interesting that that's still something that Christian people do in the United States two thousand years later. We always go to lunch with each other uh, after after church. Uh, every every Starbucks in every major city in the United States has about four pastors that hole up there and uh, and just have meetings and stuff like that. We really do still meet around food, but I, I digress. Fellowship and breaking of bread, these are things that we cannot do by ourselves. We shouldn't be listening to teaching by ourselves because the Bible also talks about the idea that we're going to need to lean on other people for understanding sometimes. Uh, and prayer is more effective in a group. Though we can listen to teaching, and though we can participate in prayer alone, sometimes it's better to do that in a group. So again, Scripture says, do not give up meeting together as some have done, and we see that modeled in 
Acts. What does the Bible talk about the as the benefit of gathering together? Why why should is it good for me or is this just a sacrifice? What is the benefit of actually gathering together? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I found seven because that's like the magic Bible number. Seven's the number of perfection, completion. Uh, so we have seven things that the Bible says uh, about the church gathering together. First John 4.12 says one of the things that happens when the church comes together, when members of the church gather together, is that they love one another. Well, let me ask you this question. Don't you like being loved? I do. I really enjoy going to church and being surrounded by people who love me. Now, I happen to work at a church, and so I get to also work with people who love me, and I love them as well, but I haven't always been a pastor. This might help you. Pastors were not born pastors. We, we didn't just, you know, come out of the womb wearing polos and loafers with a with a with a favorite bible translation we we weren't always pastors many of us have had other jobs and probably even more of us still have other jobs here's my point i know what it's like to spend all week around people that are hard to be around that at best you have a professional relationship but at worst you really don't get along with each other then you go out into the world and, and you're going shopping, you're driving on the road, and all you see is people mad at each other and honking their horns and standing in the aisle when you're trying to get by them. And, and, and you, everywhere that you go, there's just these, there's, there's people you don't know, there's frustration. But the church, there's one place, and God has ordained this, and he's put this, this together. There's one place where there are people that you know, you know them, they know you, and you love each other. Not because you've earned some spot, not because they need anything from you, not because they're trying to use you as a stepping stone in the corporate ladder, not because they want to hook up on LinkedIn, but because you're part of the same church and, and you're on mission together. You love the same Jesus. You have shared experiences with each other and they love you. I think that's very nice. And that is a blessing and a gift, particularly for people who have uh, a home life that's not settled. Maybe they live alone. Maybe they come from a background of abuse. Find a church of good people that will love you, and it will always be a highlight of your week. You will have one safe port every week to come out of your storm and find people that will love you in the name of Jesus. Number two, one of the things that happens whenever the church gathers together, according to Hebrews 3.13, is that we encourage one another. Have you ever felt discouraged? Did you have a rough week at work and you just felt like a failure, that everything that you turned into your boss was just bad? Wouldn't it be nice if you had some encouragement? Do you live somewhere or work somewhere where the mere idea of you being a Christian and people know about your faith means that you have weekly ridicule. Like they absolutely make fun of you for your faith, choices that you're making that are different than theirs. Well, sometimes that can, 
Like it always wears on you, but sometimes it really wears on you and you just kind of want to throw in the towel. Go to church. You'll have people there that will encourage you. They'll listen to you. If you need to cry, they'll cry with you. If you just need somebody to give you kind words, they'll give you kind words. Gather together and encourage one another, particularly in the things of the Lord. Number three, Hebrews 10.24 also says to gather together to spur one another on in love and good works. I had a pastor one time say this. He was talking about Jesus sending out the 72. If you'll remember that, Jesus at some point collected 72 of his disciples, um, sent them out two by two to these villages and, and little communities all over the place, all over Galilee, uh, to prepare the way for Jesus coming, to, to just spread the message the Messiah is here. Uh, what's particularly of note with those 72 is Jesus gave them a little bit of authority for healing and casting out demons. And uh, the reason I bring this up is I had a pastor say, do you know why Jesus sent them out two by two? So that they'd go. <laughs> because if you just sent them out as an individual, as one, like half of them wouldn't have gone. I said, oh, that's intimidating. I don't want to go. That's scary. What if they don't like me? Or, you know, I'll get to it. I've got other things in my life. I'm really kind of in a busy season right now. They just wouldn't have gone. But when you send them out in pairs, it's like, well, okay, I guess if he's going, I better go. And the other guy's thinking, well, he's going. I should go too. <laughs> so we can spur each other on, not only in love, but in good works. And so uh, a, a couple of ways that that might look is how do we spur one another on in love is we encourage one another, going back to point two, to love more, to love better, to, to reevaluate our attitude toward certain people in our lives. That coworker that drives you crazy, somebody's going to encourage you to love them, and you're going to know they're right. But we can also encourage each other into good works. I can't tell you how many good works I've been able to participate in because a group in church started doing something. And it's, and it's stuff like when I was in high school, uh, my youth group had this really cool thing where we mowed every single yard in town. Now, look, I grew up in a small town. Uh, less than 2,000 people uh, were, in the, were in the city limits. And I say every yard. There's a lot of yards. We, we, but just for free. We just got mowers and weed eaters, and we just took care of everybody's grass. It was a really cool thing because there were a lot of folks now as like, the owner of my own yard. I want, I'm sure we made a lot of people upset. Like these teenagers are out here scraping my yard bald. But I also know that, uh, that we blessed a lot of people. There are a lot of widow ladies that just weren't going to be able to get their, their yard taken care of. A lot of single moms that weren't sure how they were going to get their yard taken care of. Grass was getting tall. So we absolutely were able to bless people. So that's like a fairly straightforward, simple, good work but I've also been able to pray with a lot of people and watch miracles happen in their life. I've been able to help families reunite. I've been able to help marriages stay together. I've been able to hold uh, people's hands as they pass away and really be with the family through that struggling time. I mean, these good works that we have access to are life-changing, and they're very amazing to be a part of. Uh, and this all just comes from being a part of a church 
If you're if you're actually involved in church, you will have opportunities to make other people's lives better. Number four, Galatians five thirteen says to serve one another. One of the things that we're supposed to be doing uh, as we get together as a church is serve one another. Well, I think in a lot of ways, this is the issue. If I needed to just pick one reason why the majority of people do not go to church on the regular, I'd say that this is kind of the reason that they don't is because a lot of people don't have a revelation of serving people when they go to church. Far too many people. And this is human nature, which we are human, and we are trying to regularly transform our human nature into divine nature. Human nature is always asking the question, what's in it for me? Well, when we look at how a lot of churches are structured, we're, we're passively communicating, well, what's in it for you is if you'll show up to church, look, I've even been doing it for this, uh, for this podcast and, and looking at scripture that justifies it, but hold on, we'll get to the completed thought. If you come to church, you will get free coffee, you will get a comfortable chair in an air-conditioned room, you will get to participate in some really good music, You'll have an energizing and informative message, and then you get to go home. So all you got to do is sit there, drink your free coffee, enjoy the show, and we'll see you next week. Also, maybe drop a little coinage in the tithing box on the way out. Maybe if you've got time and you want free childcare, we've got a small group for you to join. Otherwise, don't bother yourself too much. Just show up. Enjoy the show. I get that I'm being a little dramatic here, but hopefully you guys are used to be at this point. I'm being sarcastic. But that is passively what a lot of churches are trying to communicate, and that makes sense for people who are just trying out church, who are new to church, who are new to faith. At some point, we just got to get people showing up, because when you show up, you get all of these other benefits, you start to make connections with other believers, you start to see the Holy Spirit move in your life, and and we can start to mature, and we can start making all of these other progressions in our faith. But for folks that have been going to church for a little while, something happens. Something happens where you've gone to church for a while now, but you haven't taken any steps to become a servant, to start engaging on deeper levels, and you keep showing up, you keep drinking the free coffee, you keep sitting in the comfy chair and enjoying the show, and you start to ask yourself the question, do I really need to go every week? I mean, it's the same songs, which I have on my Spotify. It's, it's a good message. I like pastor. But there's other pastors. There's other teachers. Also, I can just watch online, keep my PJs on. And, and we start convincing ourselves if the whole purpose of church is to just drink free coffee, which, let's be honest, isn't always that good, but it's free. If the whole purpose of church is to just drink free coffee and enjoy the show, I can do, I can do that at home. Or I can, I can do that every now and then. I got coffee at home. And, and, and my point is, is that we, we've missed out on that next step. 
And when it comes time to take the next step of serving one another, we don't do that. And maybe it's because we've never been told that's the next step. But if all we're thinking is the purpose of church is to show up, enjoy the show, and leave, then yeah, at some point we're all going to come to the conclusion that I don't need to go anymore, or at least not that often. I'll go when I don't have anything going on. But what Galatians 5 tells us is that one of the things that's supposed to happen when we go to church is we're supposed to serve one another. I will point this back to the positive side for you as a receiver. You'll have people serving you. They will use not only their earthly gifts, preaching, music, hospitality, etc., teaching your kids, etc., but they're also using their spiritual gifts to serve you. You can have people pray for you. You can have people help you understand what God wants for your life. You can have people agree in faith with you as you're struggling through a problem. You can have people with spiritual gifts helping you and encouraging you and serving you. But this is the other side of it. One of the problems that people have with church attendance is this idea that they don't need the church. I hear that. Man, I've heard that. I don't need the church. I don't need the church to get good preaching. I don't need the church to feel close to God. First, sir or madam, I would probably disagree with you. But my next point would be this. Maybe you don't need the church, but the church needs you. You have gifts. You have wisdom. You have experiences. You're likable. Maybe you don't feel like you need the church, but you know what? The church needs you. Maybe somebody needs you to pray for them. Maybe somebody needs you to serve them and be hospitable to them. Maybe somebody needs you to welcome them so that they can feel at home. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 16 and 1 Corinthians 12, there's a big idea in that chapter, gives us the analogy that the the church, the local church, is the body of Christ. It's it, And it operates like a body would operate. There's different body parts working together, and when all the body parts work together, the body functions well. And And we've been there before. If you've had an injury, oh man, I remember... This past summer, I had a toothache. I wanted to go fishing with my dad. My dad had had organized a, a, a chance for us to go down to the coast and go fishing. I love fishing with my dad. It's one of my favorite things. We've been doing it my whole life, and I was very much looking forward to this trip. But I had a toothache. And because a, a small part of my body, just a tooth, I've got extra teeth. But because a small part of my body hurt, wasn't functioning properly, I was sick. I felt horrible. I woke up early that morning so that I could go on the fishing trip that I drove down to where my dad lived so that we could do this. And I just couldn't do it. I felt horrible. My, my point is, is even though a small part of my body, just one of my many teeth, hurt, I could not function. My body did not function properly. And I had to miss out on this trip. Well, we can apply that principle 
to church. We all represent a body part. I don't know what part. That's probably a weird way to approach the analogy. The point is this. You matter. God put you in your local body for a reason, because your gifts, your experiences, your temperament, your personality, your abilities are supposed to be in that local body. You are one of the body parts that is crucial in seeing the body function properly. And what Ephesians 4 and and 1 Corinthians 12 point out, it's that only when all of the body parts are working together can the body function properly. So you may not feel like you need the church, but have you ever considered that the church needs you? They need your voice. They need your prayers. They need your support. They need you to use your gifts to serve. One of the reasons why so many people lose interest in being a regular attender at church gatherings is that they aren't doing anything for the rest of the body. They just think they're supposed to show up, drink the coffee, and enjoy the show. No, no, no. There's something you're supposed to be doing. You may not feel as though the ch- that you need the church, but the church does need you. In fact, if you look into 1 Corinthians 12 and you look at verse 7, Paul's talking a lot about spiritual gifts, a lot about it, and explaining what they are and how they fit in the context of everything. But he also explains why does God give us gifts? By the way, if you would like me to do a podcast on spiritual gifts, send a question to questions at donmckeg.com. We'll try to include it in one of our upcoming podcasts. But why does God include spiritual gifts in what we do? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says it's for the common good. There's a common good, and that you can participate in the common good, meaning you can make everybody's life a little bit better. I think that's pretty cool. You possess the ability to make other people's lives better. What a legacy to leave behind. Every time you went somewhere, every time you were in a conversation, every time you were in the room, you made somebody's life better. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Next one, what are we on? Six? Six. Romans, no, five. Number five. Romans 15, four. One of the things we're supposed to do at church is instruct one another. Instruct one another. We can help each other grow with information exchange. You know things I don't know. If you teach me what you know, now I know what I know and what you know. I'm, I'm double blessed. And if you teach other people what you know, now they know what they know and they know what you know. They're double blessed. And if you'll let me teach you what I know, now you know what you know and what I know, and you're double blessed. So we can instruct one another in the things of God. But also, if we're, if we're just talking about the cool stuff that goes on in church, there's a lot of people that have learned how to like, change their oil at church, have learned how to play an instrument, at church, have learned how to get along with people at church, have learned how to do budgets and financing at church, and the list can continue to go on. I've been in a lot of outings, I hope nobody judges me too much for this, where because of church outings, we've taught young men how to do fun stuff like, and look, I'm not saying it's a men's only thing, these were just men's only groups, how to do stuff like build campfires, go camping, go kayaking shoot guns, 
It was kind of fun. We had a lot of fun. And those are skills that these people learned because they were at church. We can instruct each other in all kinds of stuff. Number six, Romans 12.10 says one of the things that's supposed to happen at church is we honor one another. We prefer one another. We respect each other. In a world that you have to either buy respect or earn respect through either being some kind of hero or all-star or intimidation, how cool is it that there's a place that you can go every single week where people honor you simply because you're there? They honor you because you are their brother or their sister. They prefer you in their service. It's hard to buy that. I don't think you can even. Is it honor if you have to buy it? Here's the last one. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And the chaos of the world that we have right now, all the screaming, all the yelling, all the hatred, all the division, all of the media cycles that are trying to pit us against each other, all of the your team, my team, all the blue, all the red, all the donkeys and elephants, and all the everybody that's not one of them, there's one place where everybody's kind. How nice is that? You can go somewhere where everyone's kind and everyone's compassionate to one another. It's called church. I understand. You said, look, I've been to church. Not everyone was kind and not everyone was compassionate. I get that. I've been, I've been to those churches too. But you know what might help? If a kind, compassionate person like yourself would show up regularly and point the way to a better way. Just saying. That might be how you serve. You might have acknowledged that there are not enough people in that church body who are kind and compassionate, and you're going to lead the way and model kindness and compassion. Just saying. Might be an option. So that's all I got. Why should you go to church? To love one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on in love and good works, to serve one another because the church needs you to, to instruct one another, to honor one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another. Really, at the end of the day, the reason why I would encourage you to go to church regularly is you'll be blessed. Those are, vers- those are examples of what your blessings will be, but I also do not believe that those are the only blessings that you will receive. One of the reasons why we see in Scripture this instruction to continue meeting together is because we are putting ourselves in a prime position to hear from God, participate in what He's doing, and receive the blessings of being where God is moving. If you're feeling as though the church that you're currently attending doesn't reflect all these things, I'll give you a couple of things to think about. One, are you being overly critical? You're not going to find a perfect church. I had a pastor say one time, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go. You'll mess it up. Look, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Are you being overly harsh on people as an excuse for why you don't need to go? Give them some slack. Give them a chance. But, you know, if you're going to a church where they're not actually teaching the Word of God, I would encourage you maybe to find a body that is teaching Scripture. 
I just heard about a pastor, and I don't know who this is. I don't know where this guy said this. Somebody just told me about a pastor they had one time who preached a message. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say this. They preached a message that was telling everybody to tithe with their first fruits. Okay, that's a biblical concept. And then he defined first fruits as this. If anybody in the body ever got extra money, like a bonus from work, Christmas money, maybe they sold some property, if they ever got extra money above their income, that's the first fruits and it should go straight to the pastor. Holy moly. We're in the same business, but I'm not doing it the right way, I guess. How many people actually took the pastor up on that? I will, I will confirm for you that is not a biblical concept of first fruits. First, you don't give your pastor money. You give God money. Second of all, God sends increases for you. You tithe on the increase, but anyway. So if you've got pastors trying to pull that malarkey, yeah, maybe you need to find a better church. But I would also say if you're actually in a pretty good church, and, you're, and you never found a place to serve, you never found any kind of way to participate, try it out. Whatever makes you happy, whatever, whatever you feel God has placed inside of you, what are you passionate about? What are you skilled on? What, what do you want to learn how to do? And go talk to the leader who's over that position, whether it's a, a department head or a volunteer leader or the pastor, depending on the size and organization of your church, go talk to the leader and just be honest with them and say, here's the deal. I'm having a difficult time finding the motivation to show up regularly, and I think that it might be because I don't have anywhere to serve. I would like to serve in this capacity. Is there training I have to do? Is there a class that I have to do? Is there something I need to know? And then just ask, can we do this for like a six-month period? I just don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I, I'm trying to grow in my faith. I want to try this out. And just put a time limit on it. Give it six months. Be faithful. Tell yourself you're going to be faithful for six months and see what God does for that. So get yourself in a good gathering, a good community of people who are teaching the Scriptures, who are trying to live out these seven principles of loving, encouraging one another, serving one another, honoring, being kind, compassionate, all those things. And once you have a body that's at least trying to do those things, because look, let's be honest, there's some bodies, they're not trying. They're not trying to be nice to anybody. But most of them are. I think most churches are trying to be nice and compassionate, and they really will care and love for you if you'll show up. So you find one, teaches the Bible, has good people trying their best to look like Jesus and love one another, and then find a place to dive in. And if you find a place to dive in and you find a reason beyond just drinking the coffee and enjoying the show, I'm convinced that God will work in your life in a new way. You'll experience a level of maturity in Christ that you've never experienced before. Will there be frustrations? Yeah. But you'll be able to work through it. You'll be able to grow from it. You'll be able to mature in it. And I think you'll start finding that there's more to church than just drinking the coffee and enjoying the show, but really serving other people is going to set this whole thing on a whole new trajectory, give you a whole new perspective on church. And that'd be my hope for you. So that is why church attendance is so important. If you would like to have your question featured on the podcast, you can email it to questions at donmckeg.com. Until then, 
be blessed, and we'll catch you later.